0: Welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. My name is Katherine Canty. I am the host and an executive coach. I work with teams, individuals, and leaders to help create measured leadership change. We do that using practical applications, and our clients are creating 100% measured results As seen by those around them, not necessarily what I think or what they think, but what the other people are seeing. And they are being recognized for the hard work that they're doing. If you're interested in learning more about some of the work that we're doing, you can learn more at KatherineCanty.com. I would love for you to subscribe to this show to Business Vitality. This is my way to continue to pay it forward and share business best practices. Stay tuned and listen to the interview. Thanks for being here. Paula Allen, you are the SVP and global leader of research with Telus Health. Found on the web at telushealth.com. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: Tell me, Paula, what describe your role and describe a little bit about the business that you're in, please.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to. I I think I have a very cool role, actually. (laughs) Um, I lead the research for TELUS Health, which is a kind of an interesting position. It's an innovative organization that really is looking to move the needle on on health, you know, workplaces, communities, uh, where we we have such opportunity to do better. And the way that TELUS Health is approaching it is from a very 360 point of view. Our biggest portfolio of business is actually working with employers, you know, helping them help their employees and families uh, really do better. So with employee assistance program, extended mental health uh, programs in certain geographies, we also do disability and return to work and financial well-being. So a really wide scope. And we also have our, 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 our business expanding to supporting physicians and supporting governments. So we're really into the health system and making sure that that improves.
0: I love that. So tell me, how did the, how did you find it?
1: How did I find it? Um, yeah. it? Well, it's a bit of an interesting story. So I, um. I, I actually, very early on, thought I was going to be either a graphic designer or a lawyer. I was a bit fixated on one of those two paths, so don't, know, don't ask me how I got to those very different paths. Uh, but things changed for me pretty swiftly early in university when I actually saw a brain image, and I saw that brain image change, like structurally change. And realized and was told that the reason for that change is that person was under unrelenting stress. So that took me way back. I I, I couldn't believe, you know, the, the way I was thinking about stress and mental health before certainly didn't 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 extend to what I was seeing. So it became very curious and really sort of prioritized understanding mental health and trying to do something about it. You know, just making sure that I took care of myself and and then I helped other people. So I actually started working with children and had that very rewarding and then started working in workplaces and found that significantly less rewarding. Uh, At that time 20 years ago it was really not that great in terms of support and service and how people were even treated when they had a problem. Uh, so I, I, I started with the company and have gone through a journey of trying to make that better. So that's been very fulfilling. There's been a number of different company names and evolutions, but that that passion to make things better, uh, even though things are better, there's still a way to go. And that's what keeps me at Health. I
0: love that. I love that story. We always have some sort of story that gets us to where we are and we never really know what it is, that's going to drive us here. But your curiosity sounds like you led, led you here. And I'm curious, what does a brain under stress look like? What does a normal, healthy brain look like? And what does one look like if it's under stress? Because that's not something we would normally see. Yeah. And it's it's
1: funny. We're taught. You know, in, even in school, we're taught around brushing our teeth, and we're taught around physical health. But, but it's only been recently that that kids are really being taught around how to understand that their mental health and well being is important. And as as adults, you know, it really doesn't come to us except you know in extraordinary circumstances. And when you th- when you think about it, when you look at what. You know, there's a continuum. You know, when we are at our best, you know, and and you know, best looks different for for everybody. We have high mental well-being. You know, we can make the decisions that we want to make very clearly. We don't have anything interfering with what we are want to do and are able to do in life. When we are under stress, you know, we focus, and the energy in our brain focuses on that stress so we we and that's pr- that's productive because we need to deal with it you know when you think about it mm-hmm. in our evolutionary history stress usually was caused by something that's going to attack us or there's a lack of food or yeah you know, we better deal with that like we better prioritize it's like a call to action so it's, it's not bad
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we're not meant to have un relenting stress. Just like in your body, you know, it's great to, you know, you can stand on one leg and make that leg a little bit stronger. If you stand on that one leg, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that leg is going to break. That leg is going to change structurally. The same with our brains. So if you if you have that kind of unrelenting stress, instead of sort of making you stronger and problem solving, you get to a point where your brain kind of locks in a certain way, it actually changes itself to to feed the parts of your brain that's fight or flight a little bit more. And if you if you will, I'm just going to kind of add to that a bit because Um, I think collectively, we've had a little bit of a train change in our brain. So not everybody, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just like things like climate change and things, small things happen and evolve over time. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And one of the things that we have, because at TELUS Health, we have a mental health index. We um, measure the mental health and well-being of the working population monthly you know so we're we're really paying attention to ups and downs but we have a very sensitive uh well-validated tool that helps us understand what's going going on and we actually saw a massive decline in our collective mental health at the beginning of the pandemic and it's improved somewhat but it certainly hasn't gone back to where it was the other thing that we've found is that people are more sensitive to stress now so back to what i was talking about with the brain if you're constantly engaging that part of your brain that responds to stress that fight or flight you know that kind of becomes your norm It, it you're, you, you kind of walk that way and very unfortunately What happens is that your brain is actually fighting for energy in different parts. So the part of your brain that's responsible for emotional control and empathy, that's that's a little bit starved because the other part is taking all the energy, if you want to look at it in a very simple, simple way. And, and that seems to have happened. Like, you know, over the past, a lot, a lot of things happened. We had so much change in how we worked, how we interacted. We were more isolated for periods of time, which is definitely not good for the human brain. Even coming out of it, we went into inflation and, and job change and like all sorts of things were just sort of, oh my God, you have to pay attention to this. You have to pay attention to that. You have to pay attention to this. So we had that kind of ongoing stress. And that's made us more prone to responding to things in that that kind of highly sensitive way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, people are um, a little bit more cynical, a little bit more prone to anger. You know, it it, it impacts us in a number of ways that we might not even realize, but, you know, those around us might realize.
0: I think we realize it. I don't think we were meant to be... um put in our homes with our immediate family members for such a long period of time (laughs) and then to only look at video cameras of other people and think that this is going to be okay. So we kind of have to, it makes total sense. We are in a pressure cooker for a number of years Mm -hmm. and some of my clients that I'm working with, they're still not back in the office yet. And so they're still adapting to it. And because all of that stress is there, it's like suppressing that empathy that you're talking about, because they're just constant execute, 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 react, react, react. And it does cause stress. And then I look at their calendars because, you know, we'll do screen shares and stuff during conversations. I'm like, there's no human way you can battle that kind of calendar. And they said, well, we're used to the the COVID calendar, which was back to back to back meetings. And I said, that's 16 meetings in one day. That's not possible. I said, what are you going to do when you go back in the office? And they were like, I mean, I guess I'm going to keep 16 meetings. I said, you can't even walk between the meetings. You have so many going on right now. And it does. It just feels so heavy and, you know, unfortunate that we took that minute of free time to go to the bathroom, to get a glass of water, to take care of ourselves to take a breath. And it just got filled up with just another meeting on top of that, which suppresses what you're saying. the, um, that empathy to be able to have peace and space to show kindness to other people in the workplace or even at the house—it's crazy.
1: You are so right. <laughs> we 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 have an efficiency-focused culture. We just we do, and we have tried to become hyper-efficient over the last mm-hmm. little while. Like you know, I I I don't even want to. Um, I don't even want to go to the store. I want to have it delivered because it's going to take 15 minutes out of my life. And I want to be a little bit more because it's just, it's fascinating, but you know what ended up happening? If you go against human nature and human needs, it comes back to bite you, you know? Mm -hmm. So when we're trying to be so efficient, you know, we're missing those opportunities to build connection and trust. Mm -hmm. We're missing one of the things that our brain needs which is variety, you know, we need to stimulate ourselves in different way, have a little fun, see different scenario, scenery, you know, know, move in different ways, we're not meant to be static, like that's not the human condition. And you know, what's happened as a result, we're becoming less productive. So we're trying to be more efficient. We're not feeding our human needs. And in multiple, multiple measures, we've actually decreased our Mm -hmm. level of productivity. So, I mean, it's time to kind of take a little bit of a step back, I think.
0: I think that's a great observation. And before we even hit record, you had mentioned you could talk about tips and tricks and things like that. I love a good practical application. And as, as you talk about that, it makes me think about when I have meetings, we'll do walk-in talks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just put your earbuds in and I'm going to walk outside. And yes, there will be outdoor noise. Um, but you're going to have outdoor noise too. But we're going to get out of the office and we're going to just walk around and at least hear some birds, see the sunlight, and at least feel ourselves in a different way. Um, as we have this conversation, we don't have to sit inside of an indoor facility just to be able to have a meaningful conversation. And so we do walk and talks. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering from a mental health standpoint, um, maybe what are some other ideas that you're encouraging with the clients and the employers that you're working with that people can just go implement to help protect our brains and to shift from being such this efficiency focused culture into being more effective with what we're doing?
1: being more effective. And, and actually, that leads to being healthier, of course. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about it from an individual point of view. And then I can talk about it from a, a, a workplace point of view. Um, so there, there, there are a few things. And the thing is that they're simple. We just don't do, do them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, the one thing that I would prioritize over everything else, there's many things that you can do, but you can't get away from this one is making sure that you have good social connections. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know that when people feel a sense of social support, we can actually measure physically that their stress level goes down. You know, you don't feel that sense of being alone. You feel a sense of community, even if you're not sort of getting your community to work on a particular problem, just how we respond as human beings, not feeling alone is a big deal. And the Surgeon General in the the US twice has already come out with with really big warnings around us trending towards being a more isolated society and the damage that it does to us, not only from a mental health point of view, but actually it impacts us, like the stress that you might not even realize impacts us. So it impacts our health, our cardiovascular health, our immune system, our longevity, Mm
0: -hmm. it
1: impacts. So, you know, make, and if you, if you don't say, well, nobody's coming to me, go to them, (laughs) like reach out. You know, people, people don't generally rebuff outreaches. People don't uh, rebuff, you know, just being interested in another person, volunteer work in our mental health index. We found that that's a wonderful way for people to have variety in their lives and build that social community. And if you need, help that's beyond what your community has, reach out for, for professional support. You know, just mm-hmm. like you do your, your exercise and you, you eat right, but you need to reach out to a doctor every once in a while, people shouldn't feel afraid to reach out to, to counselors. So as social support's number one. The other thing that a lot of people don't think about is that your brain is part of your body. I mean, it it sounds ridiculous when I'm saying it right now because it's obvious, but we don't really think about it that way. We think about the mind as something like floating above our heads or something. But um, you have to take care of it from a physical point of view as well, which means the right nutrition and activity. So the same things that help with your heart also help with your brain. The same diet that helps with your heart helps with your brain the same damage that you can do with your heart also damages your brain and that's so important that the world bank the world bank several years ago said that one of the things that they need to do to support really the the developing economies is make sure that they're focusing on nutrition for children so Mm -hmm. those children will develop their full potential and be able to support the economy.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: when the World Bank is talking about you know, nutrition for your mental health, you know, you should pay attention, right? Um, the, the other thing is uh, that variety of experiences that I talked to you about before just, you know, again, as as human beings, and, and, and just sort of developing your brain, just like, you know, you're developing yourself physically, uh, you might be a great tennis player. But if you're only doing that one move, you know, and you don't look, take care of the rest of your body, if it's only that one move, and not even that other move, like you're not really developing a, a, a healthy organ. So going out and seeing some sunshine, going out and, and you know, taking a different route home from work, uh, trying a skill that is really beyond what you think you can do, anything that makes your brain move in a, in a different direction on a daily basis is helpful, right? So it doesn't have to be different things every day, but it can't be the same thing you're doing every day. Yeah. And one last thing I would say is just how you're thinking. Like like a lot of people think in terms of black and white and all or nothing. And, you know, you know, somebody could have a situation and be angry. And, you know, if you're angry, cool. You know, I I have no right to tell you you you're not to be angry. But think about the thought process that got you there. So many times when we're angry, it's because of frustration. And if you realize it's frustration, and you reach out to somebody to help you process that frustration, and you start problem solving around that, your anger is going to take you in a very different way than somebody who is angry. And they they just immediately start lashing out at other people mm-hmm. and pushing other people away. So you can you can create, you know, follow on damage from not sort of really taking that pause when you have an emotion and making a choice around how you deal with that emotion.
0: I love these practical applications. Um, Again, like you said earlier, they're practical and sometimes we just need to be gently reminded of them. Talked about the importance of social support and even our local community here. I love to be able to hear of global ideas, but I love to see them executed locally. We have a group that works with Aging Beauties and the research shows that if we can support um, these aging beauties in their home, that they're going to live a longer, happier life than if they're living by themselves at the house. And so to hear this implemented just reinforces it again, the importance of a social connection in the community with, with others around us. Um, also, you talked about after social support, nutrition and the importance of activity and, and feeding not just our body, but feeding our minds. And- this makes me think of a longevity workshop that I went to at the end of last year and the importance of nutrition and and what we're doing to take care of ourselves. And I came home and told my elementary age son, you know, what I'm learning. And of course he wants to go eat fast food. And I'm like, you're not going to eat fast food. I need you to eat an apple or a banana. And last night at dinner, he said, mom, my friend's been sick out of school a lot lately. And I said, Oh, well, Tell me what's happening," he said. "I know what's happening." I said, "Oh, what's that?" He said, "He doesn't eat well. Like he's <laughs> eating junk food. All the- I've never seen him eat good food." And I thought, "Oh goodness, he's actually listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> he's paying attention. It's freaking me out." So you know, even though he may beg- have French fries, I'm like, "Eat a banana too." So it's it's trying to get that stuff in there, and maybe after I say it four hundred times as a parent. The nutrition knowledge going into his head might stick in the long term. So social impact, nutrition and activity. I love the idea of variety of exercises and experiences and just the variety of not being in the same old, same old, because we don't want to be the same person we were five, 10 years ago. We want to keep growing and learning. And to do that, we have to have new experiences. And then the most important thing is the mindset. Mm -hmm. What you talked about with mindset, it's so vital that we know that we're in control of our own thoughts and how we react. And sometimes we just need to take a breath and leave the room and come back in and just reframe it and reset that. Um, Otherwise, just that negativity is going to trigger the next negativity. And it's just not a good, healthy place to be. Um, You talked about resources. And I want to make sure we bring up EAP. I think you had mentioned, um, maybe it's before we hit record, was EAP, employee assistance programs. When I worked with a lot of CEOs during my banking days, we had some very tragic, horrible things that that just come up um, within the business and unfortunate things happen and employees need an outlet. And I remember in the beginning, it was like, I don't want to call the EAP number. Like, that's not for me. And I love that over the years we're beginning to see, here's an EAP number, phone number that you can call and just take your junk out on that person or talk to that person about it to just help get through it. Can you explain what EAP is and what the benefit is for those that may not be familiar with it, but may be interested because something significant happened at work or much less people coming back into the workplace, they may need EAP support just so it's not coming at the manager, but maybe to somebody else
1: yeah absolutely. and I so glad for uh, for you to bring that up because what's surprising is a lot of people have access to EAP but don't actually know about that access or know know what it entails. Uh, so what EAP is it's it stands for Employee Assistance program. and it's pretty broad assistance. So mm-hmm. you know, we deal three hundred and sixty five days a year, seven days a week, twenty four hours and at one end of the spectrum you know we're we're dealing every single day with people at risk of suicide you know we we have that as part of our you know you're in a crisis situation and you're not really sure where to go come you know call you know go through the app you will get get support you will be get help, help to get to the the next point um but there's a full continuum as well. You know, there's people who are you know, concerned because they have a big presentation and they want strategies about how to reduce their work stress. There are people who are having challenges with their, their their children and they want to know how to do the best thing. And from a very personal point of view, you know, what's the best strategy that, that I could take? How can I support my child in the best way? And how can I support myself through this difficult time? Um, there's every level and type of mental health distress or stress that is supported, but it also goes beyond that because it's called employee assistance, which is fairly broad, and mm-hmm. it includes work-life services such as financial consultation, which we know is a stressor, you know, legal consultation, you might be going through a separation or or a divorce, childcare, elder care, a number of different things. So it's your one-stop shop. And the beauty of it is that it's sponsored by the employer paid for, so you don't have to pay out of pocket, you don't have to co-pay, it's nothing like that. You call voluntary, of course, 100% confidential nothing about your personal information ever goes back to anyone else Uh, and voluntary confidential and it it really is quite holistic Mm -hmm. so i would encourage uh, most employees actually have access to it so If you don't know about how to access your own employee assistance program, dig around, you know, ask your human resources person, make sure that's available, even if not for yourself. You said colleagues very often refer each other. You have a friend who's, who's in a little bit of strain. Wouldn't it be glorious if you were able to help them by giving them the number for them to call?
0: Yes. Even if you just have it on the business card and it's on the bulletin board in the break room, just so they know that it's there. Or once a quarter, maybe twice a year, just during a team meeting as a manager to be able to say, "Hey, this number's available." The mm-hmm. manager doesn't find out any any of that information. It's just an eight hundred number that they're able to call. Um, that can be provided to them from HR or probably from their online benefits. They can be able to do a search and find it. It is. It is. I've seen it work, and it is amazing. The yeah. outcome that comes out and how it can just be a great way to relieve some of that, that stress that's in everybody's life. And we just need help getting through it. So I know I, I talk a lot about EAP, but <laughs> I have seen it work and there's just been some crazy stuff that happens in life. And sometimes we just need to talk it out. So. Um, there's also some variety
1: like you know we're talking about call you can call but usually you can access through an app or a website or whatever and you know um, sometimes people feel uncomfortable walking into a counseling office you don't have to do that anymore if you don't want to if you do wonderful but there's a video access there's you know digital programs there's a number of things so we just want to meet people where they're at
0: I think that is fantastic. I love that work that you guys are doing. And I'm curious, um, you do a lot of research, uh, global leader of research. So tell me, do you have some some great facts or numbers to be able to share of when we do this mental work and mental health um, works workplace work? What are the benefits? Are there as a, as a recovering banker I love a good stat um, or some good numbers that go with it especially for the CEOs and the, the key leaders that listen they need ROI and they need they need these types of numbers what what kind of stats can you offer?
1: Yeah one of the ones that really stands out for me is uh, we have a very broad uh, uh, a s- a sample of employees that we, we track over a period of time and you know their experience what works for them what doesn't work for them. And uh, we often ask them about what their employer is doing, you know, what their workplace experience is, what their employer is offering in terms of services, you know, how visible those those things are. And what we found is that when employers are investing in mental health. Uh, so through training, in particular training of managers and good communication and solid services that get repeated, you know, really focusing on, you know, the manager and the workplace culture, but also on, on the, the services and communication of them. Those, those employees do like way better. Their mental health is better. And we have a, a hundred point scale and the difference between those who have employers who don't invest in mental health and those who do it very well is 15 points. Now mm-hmm. what that means, think about a scale, it's it's like a, a B to an A plus. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 or a C to a B plus. It's it's quite significant. And when people are doing better, their mental health scores are higher. Uh, the likelihood of distress is lower. Their work productivity is higher. Uh, you know, we have different levels of risk in an organization, and you know, not all of us know our level of risk. But the likelihood that people will proceed to develop a diagnosis, it doesn't drop to zero, but it is significantly reduced, statistically significantly reduced. So it does make a difference. The, the 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 I touched on sort of what the workplace can do. So, you know, we talked about what people can do for themselves. But the great thing is that workplaces can be so helpful. And we've even seen this with physical health, right? You know, mm-hmm. When people have good benefits, when they have good physical health programs, their, their physical well-being is better and the same for their mental well-being. So when you have um, a workplace culture, Mm -hmm. That is safe. Um, So you're not, you know, constantly in that fight or flight looking around, you know, who's competing with you? You know, does your manager care whether you live or die? You know, can I say something or am I going to be whacked over the head for just, you know, expressing an opinion, that psychological safety? When Mm -hmm. when you have that, you you free up energy in your brain to, to guess what? To be productive. You free up that energy in your brain so you have less general anxiety. You free up that uh, energy in your brain. And, you know, other studies have shown that you as part of your team are more likely to be successful. So that safe workplace is important. And you can get that, you know, by little things which are training your managers on what a mentally healthy workplace looks like what they can do to help support that, how they can step in appropriately when they see somebody struggling. That wraps around the world twice in its benefit. And the other thing that workplaces could do is make sure that you have really high quality services, like not toys and trinkets, right? Like it's you know, things that are make a meaningful difference in people's lives, like the EAP that we were talking about, expanded mental health services, good return to work programs. You know, all of that makes a huge difference. And once you have those programs, please tell people about them. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so interesting that people would invest in these wonderful programs and then tell their employees once when they first Mm -hmm. start working. Like, you know, know, think about it. Like, think about it as health marketing even. Um, There's no company in the world who would invest in a commercial that you only see once you know, we just don't absorb that information. So repeated communications is, is, is super important.
0: The big thing with leadership is repeating the message over and over again, because we are busy with our silly phones and computers and everything else. And we're just not always able to hear it. And so repeating the message is really important. And as we, as we kind of wrap this up and a manager could be listening right now, what do you think? And I'm I'm a big believer in creating momentum and to create momentum, we've got to break things down. We have to take one step at a time. And my question to you is, what is that first step? What, what is something that kind of creates that gateway of of opportunity of floodgates to open? What do you think is that, that great first step for somebody who could be listening, whether they have some of this in place or maybe they're like, oh, maybe we need to look at doing more of this. What is that great first step? You
1: know, it's, it's, it's it, it, it might sound cliche, but it's so true. Uh, the first step in everything is taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if the way, um, even as a, a manager, we did some work a few years ago where we looked at uh, the mental health and well being of senior leaders. And when you think about it, you know, people think about senior leaders, oh my God, what a cushy job. They got money, they got power, they've got a lot of strength. <laughs> (laughs) and uh, sometimes don't really, uh, you know, think the rules apply to them and the opportunities apply to them. So I, I think it is really important for leaders to make sure that they, you know, make sure that they're not isolated, connection with peers, all the things that we talked about, reaching out for support. And actually, one of the things that the EAP can do is do what we call a manager consult, which is if you don't know what to do, you know your team seems in distress there's an employee that's in distress you're not really sure you know about your own impact on your team you know we can help you you know we can help deal with your specific non-general situation uh with a little bit of of of, of consult so you know the EAP can take care of you as a person but also give you some coaching uh, as a, a leader so i think i think that's important and once you know what's available to you just like what you are doing, you know, you're able to transmit that to others. Uh, Once you know what's healthy for your environment, you're gonna pay attention, and you should pay attention to how you can support that for others. Like, you know, you probably are working better when you're feeling, you know, safe. You're probably working better and feel motivated when you get recognition. You're probably working better when you feel a sense of belonging and not like you're on the outside knocking in. Your employees are going to feel better with all those things too.
0: I love this. Paula, you're fantastic. Tell me, if someone wants to learn more about you and the work that you're doing, what is the best way to connect with you or to learn more about what you're doing?
1: Uh, well, there's a few ways. Uh, so you mentioned uh, TellusHealth.com. You can learn about the organization. Uh, on that uh, website, you can also get Uh, the Mental Health Index, which is something that we share and we want, like there's no paywall or anything. We want people to know what's going on and what works and what doesn't work. So you can go on or in a search engine, type in Telus Health Mental Health Index and you can see some of the research that we do and even sign up for a subscription and have it delivered to your email box every single uh, month. And I'm always happy to connect with uh, people, my peers, like everybody in the community through uh, LinkedIn. So happy if you just look for for me there, Uh, Paula Allen, TELUS Health, and uh, maybe we can start a good conversation.
0: This is fantastic. Paula, you are great. Paula Allen, you are the SVP and Global Leader of Research with TELUS Health, found on the web at telushealth.com. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the episode. If you like it, please subscribe, share this episode or this show with other people around you. The greatest form of a compliment is a referral. I really appreciate them. And if you think that you want to learn more about some of the work we're doing, I encourage you to reach out to CatherineCanti.com. You can schedule a call or just continue to read articles and information that we post out there. Thank you so much for being here.